Hello and welcome to the Artie Loved Podcast. I'm your host, Carly G. Nipe, and today is a very special day because it is my birthday. I feel like Rapunzel when she says entangled, it's my birthday. Um, But yeah, on the day that you are listening to this, it is in fact my birthday, January 26th. Well, if you're listening to it on the day that it comes out, which is Wednesdays. But yeah, In light of turning 19 years old today, I wanted to just kind of recount and remember my history with the Lord and share it with you all through my testimony. The verse that I chose to just kind of theme this whole message is 1 Thessalonians 5.11, which says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. And I truly believe that in sharing our testimonies, it totally does encourage one another and it totally does build us up. There's such a power in sharing your testimony, and I really believe it's because of a couple of reasons. Number one, no one can refute your testimony. That's something that is experienced between God and you. People can definitely refute opinions. It feels like everybody has opinions these days, but no one can refute the experience that you have had with the Lord. If you're ever trying to evangelize or just tell someone about the Lord, you can absolutely tell them about all the miracles that Jesus did while he walked on earth, about how the Old Testament connected to the New Testament, but those are all facts that we know to be true, but not everybody believes them to be true. You know, non-believers still debate about whether or not Jesus was fully man and fully God, all those things, but no one can debate the experience that you have had with the Lord. That is something that you and him have experienced. The second reason being is that the enemy hates testimonies. So we all know that God is omnipresent, which means that he is everywhere always. And if that's the case, then that means right now, God is in your past, redeeming it, he's working in it, but he's also here right now in the present and he's existing with us and guiding us. And he's also in our futures. He knows what's happening. He knows what's best for us. But the thing is, Satan is not omnipresent. He is very limited. He only works in the present. That's what he's limited to. So when we remember what the Lord has done for us and we recount our history with the Lord, Satan hates it because he can't do anything about it. I think about Adam and Eve in the garden. And when Satan came to them, he said, did God really say that you can't eat from any tree? You know, Satan can't do anything about it. He can't do anything about the goodness of God, so he twists it and he makes us think otherwise. He makes us forget how good God is or question how good God is. And so when we remember our testimonies, we're able to see clearly black and white, hey, no, God is good because he did this for me. He came through for me and Satan hates that. Number three is testimonies show us that if he did it for me, he can do it for you. That's like my favorite line. And I thank God when they're like, if he did it for me, he could do it for you. <laughs> it's so true, though. It encourages us and it encourages believers to have faith and trust that God will do what he says he will do. He is a man of his word. And it says in the word that we will have freedom indeed, peace that surpasses all understanding, joy abundantly, more than we can ask or imagine, and so much more. But if we're not currently living in it, We can trust that it's available to us. And I pray that my testimony encourages you that this is available to you. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and pray us in. Dear Lord, thank you so, so much for allowing me to be born today, 19 years ago. You're so, so good. And I thank you, Lord, for just this testimony of your goodness. And I pray that it encourages the person listening. Lord, right now, we just want you to meet us here. We invite you in this space, Lord. You are welcome here, and you're welcome in my heart, Lord. 
and we just want to open a door and pull up a seat for you to come and sit at our table today, Lord. Guide us, speak to us, and encourage us today, Lord. We pray that this moves your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. So I would split up my walk with the Lord into probably four different eras. I will warn you, this is a lot. (laughs) 19 years is a long time, and I've known the Lord for pretty much all of it. So there's a lot of really cool things and even some things that I'm not really going to mention just because that those are things that are really personal to me, things that happen between me and the Lord and, you know, some things that are just meant for me and the Lord to know. I'll never forget a mentor telling me, not everyone is worthy of hearing your testimony because the thing about sharing parts of yourself is you can never get it back. So as I share this with you, I pray that you would ask the Lord what it means to you and that you would steward it well and approach it with wisdom and just kind of have an open heart with it because the Lord has done so many beautiful things. We just have to open our eyes to see them. So let's go ahead and get into it. I chose four words that would really describe the four eras of my walk with the Lord and it's beauty, insight, insecurity, and growth. And these four words cover different periods of my life. So I know they sound like different book genres, but they're really (laughs) my life. (laughs) So the first era is beauty. And I chose this word for my adoption because I really truly see all the intricate details that the Lord has placed on my life through my adoption. It was so intentional and there's so many things that just cannot possibly be a coincidence. So let's go ahead and take a little trip down memory lane all the way to 2003 in Ankong, China. It's this poor mountain village in pretty much in the middle of China, and that's where I was born. I was born during the one-child policy in China, which was basically a form of population control because China was experiencing a lot of overpopulation, or they were fearful of that. And so a lot of people really wanted boys because boys can grow up and take care of the family. So to have a girl would mean girls are basically property. You marry them off and they become a part of a different family. And now you only had one and it was a girl, you know, so they really didn't want a lot of girls. Orphanages were overcrowded. Foster care system was basically not existent. So All that to say, I was found on the side of the road in a box near a government office in Ankong, China, and I was two months old, and I truly believe that it was by the grace of God that I think a policeman or some government worker found me and brought me to the nearest orphanage, which was the Ankong Children's Welfare Institute. From there, I was put up for adoption. Very interesting. A fun fact is that, obviously, they don't really know the details of my birth. They don't know what hospital I was born at, if I was even born in a hospital, they don't know who my parents were. No one, you know, there's no information because if they were traced, then they would get arrested, you know, for leaving a baby on the side of the road. But they did, I did find out that they knew what my birthday was because they can actually use your belly button to track the day you were born. And it's actually pretty accurate. So yes, I was indeed born on January 26th in 2003, which is really interesting. But my cousin made a joke one time about how (laughs) she was like, well, Carly, we really don't know when you were born. We really don't. Like, let's be real. There's no records of like the exact date and time you were born. So we have no clue. It could be any day. So then for like a full year, she texted me every day, happy birthday, just in case it was my birthday. (laughs) And I thought that was really funny. So really it's my birthday every day and everybody has to wish me happy birthday. Just kidding. But yeah, so here I am two months old in an orphanage in Ankong, China. And my mom and dad were you know, had two beautiful children, Britt and Jen, my two sisters, and they were pregnant with a third. And it was my brother, Colby. And my mom had felt this stirring in her heart to adopt from China. This was super random. 
going into their marriage, my mom and dad never talked about adopting. It was not something that crossed their mind. We've never done it in our family before, you know, like with my grandparents and my aunts and uncles, there's never been a history of that. And so out of nowhere, my mom just felt this stirring. So she brought to my dad, my dad's like, you're crazy. We've never thought about this before. Like, where's this coming from? (laughs) You know, um, but my mom just started praying about it. And it was so beautiful how the Lord is just so intricate in it all because she was praying, praying, praying. She asked the Lord for a sign. She wrote down, she has her diary, actually, her like prayer journal, and she showed me it. And in each, every single entry is so beautiful. She says like, you'll read it and it'll say like, Lord, today I prayed for a sign and you showed me five. In the grocery store, I saw a little Asian baby with a white mom. On the billboard, I saw Adopt from China, an ad. In church, they talked about it. My friend at work told me about it. Like so many beautiful, crazy things that There's just no way that's a coincidence. And so my mom and dad had my brother Colby, who is one year older than me. And then they had this baby. And my mom was still like, I still feel this calling to adopt. Even though I'm literally holding my own child, I still feel like our family is not complete yet. And it's such an intentional thing because I asked my dad the other week, I said, why did you guys have four kids? And why did you guys have a 10 year age gap? Because, you know, my two sisters are 10 years older than me and Colby, which is, you know, not usual in a family. And he told me it was really just the Lord's timing and that there was not a lot of, they didn't plan it. They just kind of said, Hey, we want anywhere between two and five kids. And whenever that happens, it'll happen, you know? And I think it's such the intentionality of the Lord and it just shows his hand over my family because, you know, now Colby and I are besties. We're both a year apart. And then my two older sisters have been like mentors to me growing up because I've just been able to have them to look up to. And that's so beautiful. You know, you don't really get that in a family dynamic, but it was just so amazing All that to say, after that, my parents um, signed some papers and came to China to adopt me. Uh, Obviously, it was way more of a process than it would be. It was a year plus of a process to adopt me. Uh, You have to go through a lot of weird rules. For example, my parents' ages couldn't add up to 100. If it did, then they could not adopt from China. Super random. And then also the way that they matched up the kids with the families was actually pretty randomized. It's pretty, it's very different for every single orphanage. So this is not an end-all be-all. This is how to adopt from China 101. (laughs) I would not come to me for that because I was the adoptee. But the way that they did it in my orphanage, and I think that it just shows how beautifully detailed God is, is that it matches up with birthdays. So my two sisters' birthdays are in February and January, and then my brother's is in September. So all of those are kind of in, you know, the winter era. And because of that, my birthday is in January. So they just said, hey, let's match them up. They have similar birthdays. (laughs) Not really efficient when it comes to celebrating birthdays, but it was really cool that that was the way that they matched up our families, and that was just how it worked out. You know, there's no other family that would have been more perfect for me. And I think that just goes to show that God's hand was over it all. All that to say, there's so many more intricacies and nuances in my adoption that I'm still discovering today. For example, I am from a mountain town, which explains why my body is the way that it is. You know, I have thicker legs that are just very muscular, honestly. And I think that it just goes to show that I was, you know, my parents, my uh, relatives who are, you know, blood related to me were probably similar because they had to climb a bunch of mountains. So... You'll learn something new every day. There's still so many things I want to discover about myself. I want to take a 23andMe. I want to go to China again to visit sometime soon because that would just be really beautiful. My next word and my next era was childhood and the word was insight. I really believe that childhood shapes a lot of who you are when you get older. 
And not that it defines you, but I do believe that it directs you. And I chose the word insight because my childhood really did shape a lot of who I am now. I'll kind of set the scene. My childhood, I grew up with my two older sisters who, when I was a child, they were in high school, college, and they really, I looked up to them a lot. I had my brother who was one year older than me. And because of that, I really kind of got a very balanced childhood. I was a little bit tomboyish, but still girly enough. My parents were Christians. My mom was I think she was a Lutheran at this point, and my dad was Catholic growing up, but now Lutheran slash non-denominational, whatever. I grew up in a non-denom household, but I definitely still had learned the discipline of, you know, the traditions and history of religion, which was really beautiful. I think that I wouldn't trade going to a private Christian school to go to a public school. I'm really glad that I did because... I was able to learn the foundations and really the why behind becoming a Christian, and it really shaped a lot of my childhood. I really believe that I knew the Lord's voice growing up. I remember being in third grade and asking, (laughs) we were learning about Jesus dying on the cross for us, and I raised my hand and I asked, if Jesus died on the cross for us, then how do we repay him? And my teacher was like stumped. She was like, well, you can't ever repay him. You just spend your life in gratitude to him. And I was like, wow. What a beautiful picture. I was literally in third grade and I asked that question. Like, that's how you knew the Lord. (laughs) The Lord had his hand over my life. But I really think that that just goes to show I really knew the voice of the Lord growing up, even if I didn't know it yet or hadn't developed yet. But overall, I had a really innocent and fun childhood. It was very beautiful. I have so many fun memories. So the third word that I chose, the third era was during my youth. And the word is insecurity. I chose this word because honestly, I really believe that it showed a lot of my middle school and early high school years. You think about the word insecure, it really just means not secure. It's being on rocky ground, you know, a shaky foundation. I kind of picture a baby trying to stand for the first time. But I believe that one of the key solutions to insecurity is healthy intimacy. And that intimacy is best found between you and the Lord. I didn't realize this until very much later on. Growing up, I had this best friend who was basically like a sister to me. I loved her like crazy. She and I did all the same things. We both played volleyball. We were in the same classes. We were in the same gifted classes, like all of the things. She was tall, blonde, skinny, blue eyes, all the things that I was not. And so we were compared to each other a lot in our families and in our friendships even. And obviously it was not intentional, but it really shaped a lot of how I viewed myself. I thought that beauty was being white. I thought that being loved was being liked by all the boys because all the boys had crushes on her and not me. And I thought that beauty was being quiet because I was very loud and she was not. And so I found a lot of comparison in that. I was really boy crazy growing up. I didn't know the intimacy of the Lord. I believe intimacy is really a theme in my life. I feared intimacy because I didn't want people to see the real me so that they could reject the real me. But I needed intimacy because clearly I was desperate for it. This weaves into the insecurity that I experienced in many areas of my life. With my friends, I felt like I didn't have any. I was pretty popular, but I just didn't feel like people really knew the real me. My mom and dad can probably tell you hundreds of times I was literally just crying because I felt like I had no friends. And it was a really deep loneliness that I experienced. This played into my relationship with boys. I was clingy. I was obsessed, wondering if I was crazy, but I really just needed companionship and just the human need for deep love. I fell into lust and temptation because I was impulsive and just needed to feel comfort and security. In grade school and middle school, I was bullied for being Chinese. And as I grew older, I became a bully. I became so bitter. I hated being Chinese. I hated everything about myself. And so I thought that bringing other people down would make me feel better about myself. 
I hated my body. I didn't like how I was made. So random, but I literally hated my legs. Like, like I said earlier, I have a little bit thicker thighs, let's be real. And it's really just because I, you know, am just naturally prone to be more muscular there. But I thought that having skinny, long legs was, was everything. And so I would literally look at other girls' legs and compare them to mine in middle school. Like, what in the world? <laughs> but that's what insecurity will do. It'll make you crazy. And I wanted so desperately to look like everybody else because this is my definition of beauty. This is what I thought was beauty. And to me, beauty translated into being liked and being loved. But I didn't realize that what I needed to find first was the deep love of Jesus. I remember in my freshman year of high school, I used to introduce myself and I would say, hi, my name is Carly and I'm the least Asian Asian you will ever meet. <laughs> and it's funny to think about now, but I realized also that it was just a sign of my insecurity. That deep down inside, I really hated being Chinese and I did not want anybody to know that I was Chinese. And then on top of all of this, at the end of my eighth grade year, my parents sat me down and told me they were getting a divorce. This is so, so random because I had never seen my parents fight. They were perfect. They were, you know, our family was like the hallmark Christmas card of families. So it was so random to me as a 14-year-old that they would want to get divorced. I would ask my mom when I was growing up, would you guys ever get a divorce? She would always be like, no, divorce, you know, is God does not like divorce because God doesn't like division and he desires unity for us. So your dad and I love each other, all those things. So to hear that they were getting divorced really rocked my world. But one of the hardest lessons to learn is that your parents are people just like me and you, but choosing to love them anyway and choosing to honor them anyway. In all of these things throughout this season, I was searching for so much. I was searching for joy, peace, hope. And I was looking for it in boys. I was looking for it in my temptations, my insecurities, my friendships, my family even. But I realized that all of these things were found in Jesus because he is everything. And so if I just sought Jesus first, then all else will be added to me. All of these things, peace, joy, love, patience, kindness, all of those fruits of the spirit, they are found in him. And so what I needed was not security in boys, security in friendships, security in grades, status, etc. What I needed was security in him and knowing that I am fully known and fully loved by him first. The next era of my life was young adulthood and the word I chose for this was growth. The crazy thing was during that whole time of insecurity and bullying and friendship issues, boy craziness, I was going to church and I was you know, knowing the Lord, but carrying all this baggage. I can't even pinpoint a moment where I like gave my life to the Lord or just like all of it turned around. I just woke up and I knew like there was never a moment like that. I just knew the whole time that God was present in it all. It was a slow and steady turnaround. So if you're currently in a season where you're just going to church and doing all the things, but you don't feel your breakthrough yet, just keep going, keep attending, keep praying, keep worshiping because he will come through for you in his perfect timing. Never premature, never too late. He will come through for you because he did it for me. My freshman year of high school, I kind of went off the rails after my parents' divorce. I was emotionally hopping from guy to guy every two weeks to satiate a hunger in my soul for intimacy. I was gossiping and lying and sneaking around and not being a good friend, honestly. I was deeply insecure about being Chinese. I was still processing, and for me, processing was more like running from my parents' divorce. But God met me there. I walked into a prayer and worship night one night, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and I decided then that I needed to choose, that I couldn't live a double life anymore. All of my friends were asking me, Carly, you keep telling us you're going to change, but you're not. 
And it really made them not trust me anymore, and that really broke my heart. The worst it ever got was spring of my sophomore year when I made the worst mistake and I lied to my mom, my brother, and my best friend, and I snuck out to sleep over at a boy's house that I had been talking to for like literally a week. Like, I barely knew this kid. <laughs> he wasn't a Christian and he was also many years older than me. And this is so embarrassing to admit, but I just remember being there and knowing that I was actively living in sin. I truly believe that it was the grace of God that nothing happened and I was protected, but nothing could shake knowing that I was lying to everybody that I loved. The Holy Spirit so lovingly convicted me and reminded me who I was. And that's when I knew I needed to change. I remember being a sophomore and just knowing that this whole Christian thing was more binary than I thought. That I had to choose. There was no more straddling the fence. No more deciding like, okay, well, could I make out with that guy and then go to church the next day? Could I gossip and then go to a small group? Could I cuss and then pray? You know, like all, I was literally living on the edge, straddling the fence between Jesus and the world. And it reminds me of this verse in Joshua that says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That verse, I really think, paints a great picture of, of the resolution I came to. As for me and myself, I will serve the Lord. And it was then that I decided to go full force into life with Jesus. I served at church. I did all the things. And it was honestly amazing. I found a place, a calling, a family, a love for the Lord that I'd never had before. And it was so beautiful. But to get there came with many convictions. I just remember being in this season, you know, my sophomore year. And one by one, the Lord was just gracing me to let go of things that I was holding on so tightly to. It started with small things like not watching risky TV shows anymore, not listening to rap music anymore, not cussing anymore. And it, it became so extreme that I couldn't wear jean shorts anymore because they were so short. And I knew that I like was not being respectful to my body and how the Lord created me. And then it became letting go of fear, letting go of people's opinions of me, letting go of my need for a boyfriend even. I started meeting regularly with like two or three leaders in my church and they just started mentoring me and pouring into me. And when I think about that season of my life, I would say that it's really refinement. And I think the Lord needed to be extreme with me in my refinement. You know, when he says in the word to throw off all that hinders, I truly had to throw it all off. I remember even being in a season where I was nervous to post about Jesus because I just didn't want to misrepresent him. And obviously now I know we don't have that much power, but I just wanted to make sure that I was living a life worthy of my calling. And I'm really glad that I did that because it protected me from almost prematurely preaching about the gospel when I really needed to receive it myself first. I think one of the greatest lessons I learned in that time was that when we lay something down, we get to pick up something new. And I really picked up so many beautiful things in high school when I really laid down my will and the sin that I was living in for what God had for me. In high school, there was this beautiful ministry at my high school called Collision. And it was where we met every Wednesday morning and it would range anywhere from 20 to even 60 kids every week. And on Wednesday mornings at 6.45 a.m. in our one of our teacher's classrooms, we worshiped and we used to 
you know, bring in speakers and we would bring in a pastor from our church or a leader from our church. And it was just such a beautiful time. We saw so many people give their lives to Christ and it was just such an amazing time. I learned so much about leadership during that time. I learned so much about ministry and just the heart of God. I think one of the greatest lessons I'll never forget from that season was, was that your greatest ministry is that unto the Lord. If you're not doing it for him, then who are you doing it for? Another beautiful thing that happened in 2019, actually, that I got to pick up from the Lord after I laid down my will, I played volleyball for five years in high school. It was a lot of screaming and yelling every weekend, which is really bad for your vocal cords, especially as a singer. You can lose parts of your range. You can damage your vocal cords beyond repair sometimes. And for me, I was really, it was very hard for me to it came to a point where after volleyball season, I would just have to just not talk for a really long time to just recover and give my voice some time to recover. And speaking and singing is something that I love to do and I love to do it for the Lord. And so I knew that this was an attack because I was diagnosed with nodules on my vocal cords, which are basically little bumps and they are not good for your voice. You can lose parts of your range. It's very damaging. It's kind of like in Pitch Perfect when they're like, guys, I have nodes. Like that is pretty much what it is. And It's every singer's worst nightmare, and I had it. But I went to this worship night one time, and I remember it was such a beautiful time, and I want to protect a lot of the details from it. But I stood up for healing and went forward, and me and my two best friends literally received healing that night. And then that next week, I went to the doctor's office, and they told me that I didn't have nodes anymore. And they said they had never seen a recovery that fast. They were like, Did you do vocal rest? Did you do like a medication? And I was like, No, I literally went to a worship night, and I got to testify to them and tell them that I went to this worship night and got healing. And it was such a beautiful time in my life. And it really showed me that Jesus still heals and that miracles are still done today. I feel like in my head, I picture the Bible in the book of Acts. They would go around healing people and I would picture like fairy dust coming upon their limbs and then all of a sudden they're healed. Like, no, but it's not like that at all. It's just a beautiful natural healing that just happens. And it just shows the hand of God over it all and that he is limitless and he still heals today. Another thing that is a part of my testimony is that I got to reconcile and forgive my dad and he and I actually have a really good relationship now. I would say that sometimes I think my relationship with my dad now is better than it would be if my parents were still married. You know, I am really, really grateful that I didn't let my parents divorce, villainize one or the other parent and I think God graced me so much through forgiveness, reconciliation, patience, love and just radical forgiveness, realizing that we all sin every single day. And the only person who is perfect and who has every single right to judge us, Jesus does not. So how much more do we not have any right to judge anybody? My dad taught me not to judge someone on their worst day. And I think that's really how it was for me, reconciling with my dad and restoring our relationship. I'm so glad I did because I need a dad. You know, as much as we can tell ourselves we don't, we really do need a dad. And Having a relationship with my dad benefited me way more than not having one. On top of that, I also was able to process my adoption for the first time. I remember it was around my junior year of high school, and I don't know, I have some adopted friends who listen to the pod, but if you are adopted, I don't know what time it was that you started processing your adoption, but for me, I didn't really come to terms with it or kind of have like some very groundbreaking, thought-provoking moments until my junior year where I was like, wow, I really won't know who my parents are ever. You know, I don't know what time I was born at. I don't know if I was born in a hospital or not. I don't know why my eyes are this shape. You know, I don't know why my nose is this shape. Like so many different things that 
you know, it's so taken for granted. You can always say, oh, you have your mother's eyes, you have your father's eyes, you know, like you know that about yourself, but I didn't know that about myself. So it was a lot of processing and just questioning with the Lord, getting to know his heart for me. But it was in that questioning, in that reckoning that I realized how much I loved being Chinese. I really did love it. And I think I learned how much I really love Chinese food too and Asian food in general. And it really just birthed a deep appreciation for where I came from and my culture. And I'm really, really grateful for it. So many people think that adoption really pulls you out of a good thing and into a bad thing or vice versa. But honestly, I think you get the best of both worlds. And it is such a beautiful unity and gives you such a unique perspective on family and being loved. Another very amazing thing that happened in my life was in my sophomore year, I was filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized in fire, as some may say, and it was such a beautiful time. I received my prayer language. I learned how to prophesy. I learned how to worship in spirit and in truth, and it truly just transformed my personal time with the Lord. That was an amazing time of deep revelation with the Lord. I have never felt his presence in that way. I had never known his heart in that way. It was such a beautiful time, and I will never forget being able to, I will never forget going to worship nights every night with my best friends and just that beautiful awakening. I learned so much about revival and about his heart for the nation and about his heart for the nations. You know, there are so many beautiful things that I learned during that season of my life as well. So all that to say, when you lay something down, I wanted to encourage you that you get to pick so many beautiful things up. All of these things, leading collision, healing, reconciling with my dad, processing my adoption, all of these things would not have happened if I had not given my yes to Jesus. And that's what's so cool is Jesus doesn't need you to write a 10-page essay on why you need these things or he doesn't need you to be qualified. He just needs your yes. And so when you give him your yes, he will do the rest for you. And it's such a beautiful thing. I have never regretted giving my yes to Jesus and I know you won't either. So all these beautiful things are happening and then came COVID. 2020 hit me like a rock and honestly, it was a fever dream. I'm going to say probably the most cliche things that everybody else says. It was so much like it was such a struggle for me i didn't like quarantine like let's be real i have a theory that quarantining in march of 2020 was a wake-up call for all of us and i think it really established who was in it for real with the lord and who was only in it for show and in that way i think it was a refinement of believers for me covid really wrecked me i was not ready to get rid of my schedule i was living for my schedule at that point you know order was my god knowing what was going to happen was my God. Also, I'm a huge extrovert, so not seeing people really, really messed me up. It made me stir crazy. My sisters and their husbands came to my house to live with us, so I was kicked out of my room, and I didn't really have a safe place, and it was just very, very difficult time. And I remember I was already not doing well with the Lord. I was not really, you know, I was kind of burnt out. I was a little bit tired and had just been overwhelmed by life. I hadn't really been in my prayer closet much. I hadn't been reading the Bible much. And then on top of that, COVID happened. And so like any normalcy that I had was completely taken away from me. And I think I realized what I was leaning on for support, what I was leaning on for security. And eventually I just really needed somebody. So yes, I got a quarantine boyfriend. LOL. I know this was like my most, this is the lowest of the low guys. I I literally got a quarantine boyfriend, but I'm really, really grateful that I did because the relationship really showed me 
so much about myself and how much of my codependent qualities and unhealthy coping mechanisms came out when I wasn't in communion with the Lord. I think before it was very normal. Before quarantine, it was very normal and it was almost accepted to like be so busy that you can't even breathe and to be moving, moving, moving so much that you can't ever stop and rest. And that was unhealthy. That's not good. But I didn't realize that until COVID and until I had that person who showed me, hey, it's okay to take a break and it's okay to focus on your own mental health and your own emotional health even. Some background though, my whole entire walk with the Lord, boys have always been my weakness. We've always talked, we've, we've done talked about this, but every single time that I got in a relationship, it was always like a push and pull in my heart. I knew in my spirit that I wasn't supposed to be in a relationship, but my heart and flesh were so wanting to. You know, I was so tied to someone and it was the same thing with this particular boyfriend. Uh, we broke up I want to say like a month or two after we started dating and I had never really experienced a true breakup before. I remember one of my good friends saying, sometimes the hardest relationships to let go of are the unhealthy ones because we think that we could have stayed longer and made it healthy. But honestly, if you are experiencing a breakup or even a friend breakup where you knew it wasn't healthy, let the Lord meet you there. I didn't know how to heal. I didn't know the Lord as my healer until I had gotten broken up with. I didn't know the Lord as the restorer until I had to be restored. You know, I learned the Lord in such a beautiful new way that I had not before during that breakup season. I think breakups bring you to the feet of Jesus in such a beautiful way. In that entire time, I'm going to be so honest with you guys, it took me more than double the time I was in that relationship to get over it. Because I'm very sentimental, I'm very emotional, I'm very much a processor. So I was like, I need to process every single last little detail. And, you know, especially when it's unhealthy, we are in such a tizzy that we're just like, process, process, process. I just need to think about this. I need to talk about this. I need to, you know. And so I think in that way, though, we can oversaturate it. So let it be quick. Let it be done and move on. You know, like it's the most, it's a good thing to move on. It's a good thing to, yes, process with the Lord. Talk about your emotions. Think about what you did, what you should have done, what you couldn't have done better. But also move on and be okay with that. Be okay with taking steps forward with the Lord. Right after that breakup, there was a huge reinstatement of my identity for me. I think the Lord just reminded me that I was a daughter of the King, that I was loved, that I was worthy. There were so many things that the Lord just reminded him about me because you really lose yourself in relationships, especially unhealthy ones. You really forget who you are. And I remember also one of the big lessons that I learned there was it's okay to make moves and to like take steps towards your health without anybody knowing. And that was really hard for me because I've always been really out there with my life and with myself. And so this was the first season that the Lord really hid me and said, Carly, you're going to make these moves. You're going to do these beautiful things with me and you're going to have these amazing moments with me, but you're not going to share them. That's just going to be between me and you. And it was really hard for me. Like I was like, I really want to, I want, I want my ex to see, like, I want him to see that I'm thriving, you know, like all those like weird, stupid, jealous, like comeback moments that we want to have but the greatest comeback you could have is the one where you are completely silent in your prayer closet with the lord and knowing deep down that you have won because you have the prize and the prize is jesus the prize isn't getting back at him the prize isn't getting a new boyfriend and looking so much better the prize isn't becoming all this so that you can prove something to someone no the prize is him it's jesus
I remember the healing process taking forever for me. It felt like it never ended. It felt like every day I had weird, irrational thoughts about him. It felt like I was always getting flashbacks, like I was always thinking about what we could have done better, feeling like he was everywhere, even though he was not a part of my life anymore. That was really hard. I remember mourning not only losing that boyfriend as a boyfriend, but also as a friend and mourning that friendship. That was really hard for me. But I'll never forget one day in a random time after school, the Lord just declared my healing and he said, you're healed now, Carly. And I was like, that's so weird though, because I'm still thinking about it and this is hard and this hurts, but healing doesn't have to feel good to be good. Just because you don't feel healed doesn't mean that you aren't yet. And so let the Lord take that for you. Let him move that for you. You know, let that go and surrender that to him. Out of all of that, I knew the Lord in a deeper way than I ever did before. And he became so much more to me than just the savior of my life. He also became the Lord of my life. The one thing I'm after. I'm so grateful for everything that God has done in my life. And if you resonate at all with anything that I just spoke about, adoption, divorce, bullying, lust, healing, breakups, whatever it is, please let me know. I would love to hear about it and just love to hear how God is moving in that or encourage you because if he did it for me, he can do it for you guys. He healed me from my vocal nodules. He healed me from overthinking from so much stress and anxiety, from trying to be the best, from insecurity. He delivered me from lust. He delivered me from comparison. There are so many things that the Lord did for me that I believe for you. He can do it for you. With that, I'm going to go ahead and pray us out. Dear Lord, we love you so, so much. And I just thank you for this beautiful time that we get to spend together. Lord, I thank you that you are good and that you have come through for me in so many areas of my life. I thank you that you're so intentional that you're so loving and that you're kind and that you work in every single detail of our lives, Lord. I pray that this message encouraged someone, but Lord, mostly that it moved your heart. This is all for you, Jesus. I pray that we would learn to love you and to draw near to you. We love you so, so much, Jesus, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so, so much for listening, guys. As always, please let me know if this encouraged you and share it with a friend if you want to encourage them with the way that the Lord has moved in my life, because if he did it for me, he can do it for you. I love you guys so, so much. If you're not already following me on social media, you know the drill at KG Nipe at Already Love Podcast. Love you all so much. Have a great day. Peace out. Peace out.